Live from the Plaza Pool in downtown Las Vegas, it's Steve Sears Bikini Tug of War. Here we go, 4 o'clock hour, ESPN in Reno, ESPN in Las Vegas. Nevada Sports Talk Show is back for hour number two of our three-hour show. And glad to have Reno on board. I'm just going to warn the people up there, uh, we do some crazy locations. We are a show that likes to be on the road, and we're generally on the road four or all five days a week. And every once in a while, we get really crazy. So today, we're hanging out on Fremont in downtown Las Vegas at the legendary Plaza. <laughs> I love the whistle. Plaza Hotel and Casino. We're at their pool. We're poolside, and we're doing bikini tug-of-war. So if you'd like to follow any of this, at Steve Cofield, my last name is C-O-F-I-E-L-D, at ESPN Las Vegas. We've already had a couple of the tugs go down. These are teams of three-on-three. They're from various gentlemen's clubs, clubs, gyms around town, and so far the competition has been insane. Uh, I would have never tried as hard as the two teams that just went uh, two tugs ago, that tug of war, was war on tile with very little grip lasted like 44 seconds. The fights from these ladies, my lord, John. Well, you're not even mentioning that they're in water. They are in up water, to yeah. up past their ankles. Yeah, they're on a so wet deck. Wet deck with the, you know, I, I mean the anchor in that last one held it together for yes. her whole team. Yep. Yep. 45 seconds, she didn't budge. I, regripped the rope and uh, and pulled it out. I gotta say, I I would I would have a head coach or something. The makeup of some of these teams, they think they're doing this all wrong. Like <laughs> some of the sturdier contestants are on the front end. Yeah. Like you got to make them the anchors. You really you learned your tug of war knowledge from Squid Game. No, no, actually, yeah. I so I I've actually participated in quite a few tug of wars in my day. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. For some reason, um, summer also, camp. Also, being a bigger guy, I have experience as the anchor. Oh, really? You know, I'm a big guy, yeah. so you know, I'd okay. always be the anchor. And I distinctly for when I was at Gorman out here in Vegas, um, we had like these. For one year, they tried to do like houses, and we had competitions. And one of them was like tug of war, and we won like some really big prize because we had won it that year. It was like a four-round tug-of-war tournament. Wow. Incredible. Well, I mean, I think Cofield was, was vying for the coaching position. I saw him over there to the losing team. Yeah. He, was, he was working on grips. Well, um, you know. Actually, as it turns out, <laughs> the, there's a husband-wife over there. Husband is not. He's, uh, he's kind of holding the rope for safety. That's actually Kit Cope, who fought in the UFC. And, you know, I talked to Kit a bunch back, whatever it was, probably 2004 and five. So uh, his wife is on one of the teams. She's not out there now, but. I might have been doing a little coaching as well, but I was, I was saying hi to Kit and trying to get some video and some, some photos. So Justin Watkins is the other voice you hear. John Von Tobel is here. Justin, of course, from Battle Warren Injury Lawyers. 766-1400. All around Nevada. Anywhere in Nevada. Yeah! All right. Oh, another tug of war. Oh, here we go. Wow. Oh, whoa, destruction. Just getting, wow. getting dragged along the ground. Wow. <laughs> that one was rough. All right, big four time. <laughs> Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at four. Number four. So, JBT, 30-something. Cofield, beyond age-something, 50-something. Justin, 40-something. Do you care about Aaron Judge hitting 60 home runs? We, we oh, talked about yeah. this in hour one. You do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, you know, the, the, the home run hitting during 1998 was, you know, right in my young adulthood. And so I remember that well. And I think Aaron Judge putting together one of the best offensive seasons in history 
and potentially, I think, you know, breaking some of those records that I think are the legitimate records versus the illegitimate records. Uh, yeah, it's a big deal to me. I, I'm, that being said, you know, Wait, have what? I watched a whole game to watch it? No. Wait, who's illegitimate? Everybody above 61. Why? <laughs> You're <laughs> saying Bon Sosa and McGuire is illegitimate? You think they're legitimate? I think they are, yes. Oh, yeah. no, I don't. 100%. No, nah, I don't even consider the, I, like I, in my mind I they're think, not even the records. I think I think many or more of the pitchers were using PEDs, so they were hitting off similar athletes. Yeah. A lot of them. Well, not, not every hitter was on roids, and not every pitcher was on, but there were plenty of pitchers who were. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I'm okay with throwing out all of the stats for the for that time period, but like the the stats are ridiculous. Um, you know, if, if you thought that they were legitimate, then you have to like have a disconnection with reality to believe that somewhere between the years of 1998 and 2001 they, they were just the craziest athletes ever for just that four-year period and then it all disappeared for the next 20 years like come on no can i add that really for me the story is actually not the 60 it's that he's doing this in a contract year oh that's I know. that's the bigger deal for me yeah it's not the actual chasing of the number it's that he actually he's like you know what no i'll bet on myself and then went out and set records that's incredible well, and by all, uh, like, uh, you know, more in-depth analysis and deeper stats, he is having the greatest offensive season in modern baseball history, anything post-1960. You know, the disparity between him and number two in each of the triple crown categories is just off the charts. And to do it in a contract year in which you were offered, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, and you're like, that's not enough. I'm yeah. better than that. And, and do it and, and perform like this is just incredible. Actually, that part is impressive because you got the mushy ball, um, you know, unless they change it. Everyone's hitting 225. ERAs are super low. This is actually, it's not as impressive as Babe Ruth because Babe Ruth, when you had a couple of guys in the 20 home run range and then everyone else is hitting, you know, freaking 1 to 12 and he's hitting 60, like the gap back then was incredible. Number three. Number three. Man, every time you come in, Justin Watkins, on Wednesdays from Battleborn Injury Lawyers, we seem to be on the Giselle TB12 <laughs> topic. And we're on it again for this reason. Now, from what I know, Tom Brady was there today, but they just announced that Brady is going to get Wednesdays off. Now, I think he showed up today because there was a big blowback. This is getting kind of crazy. <laughs> Todd, Bowles, Todd Bowles has to set a line, and Giselle's also got to let him play football for the season. Deal with your marital stuff afterwards. He's committed here for five months. Back off. I don't know why you have such a hatred towards Giselle. For all we know, this is the 12th year in a row that he's done this to her. You know, it might just be the breaking point for her where she's like, you know what, just go play football forever and just don't come home. We're, we're, we're done with you. I don't know what their marriage is like. But, you know, at some point, you know, how, how, how are you going to keep the room? When you when you let somebody get away with with so much now is Wednesday's off is that the breaking point where the team's like dude come on we could you know is he part of the team or not I don't think so it's probably not but I think we're trending that way too much more and I think you lose your team you lose your locker room so I'd say two things one I, I think it starts to get worse as this offense continues to kind of like putter around right yep. like they have not looked good for the first two weeks of the season that has been a problem I'd also say at what point does Brady get criticism for this. At what point, like I mean, if you're he, if you're sitting you're sitting here saying Giselle's got to back well, no, off, no, I'm not I would go full man and say, tell your woman that you're <laughs> playing football, right, or nothing. I get that too. That. I get that too. He's got to stand up. I, I think I think he got it today. I don't know how much he actually practiced, but I know he was there. Uh, it's a bad look. And the other thing, I think you, I think John mentioned it yesterday that you no, it was Adam actually, Adam Hill. You have 
you have Tom Brady screaming and yelling at his teammates in game. If I'm a teammate, like, oh, we're off a little bit, huh? I wonder. Yeah. Wonder what's going on. Like, you're not here for freaking practice. Number two. Number two. Big four at four. Justin Watkins here with us. JVT. Here is the Plaza Pool. Downtown Las Vegas. Bikini, tug of war. You guys were riveted on that one. I was like, I got to move on. That was destruction. Well, it was a big upset. Yeah. I mean, uh, the favorite. The, nah, you I, know, minus, minus uh, 185 favorite over here got smoked. I don't know. I would have played the this dog is, in that line. This is a really oh, good team. Easy to okay. say now. Easy no, to no, say no, now. no, no, no. Because Steve's going to go down this road. I, I think the the we'll say the build of this team yeah. is low key, like very well built for a tug of war. Um, uh, it's actually Peppermint Hippo, which has taken over the old OG, and they've got an anchor who's a, a tall woman, but she's powerful, and a, the the other two are small women, but they they are freaking spark. They're fighting. They're no. they're doing well in this this thing so far. Ah, I think the anchor of the the best anchor in in, in the game oh, yeah. just lost just best anchor in the game. <laughs> you know who's not out here? And I admire the guy and he does a hell of a show. Where's Rich Eisen with his bikini tug of war? Come on, Rich. Well, apparently Rich is in a bad mood because he's one of the many national media people who are all over the jocks of the Raiders. So the other day, 0-2 start, he's talking about all the underachieving teams around the league and he just kind of snaps about what turned out to be in the preseason, his Raiders. Yeah, it's personal. I'm pissed. Seven targets yesterday. <laughs> I'm pissed. Yeah, yeah I mean, you should be. They're letting you down. And those are the most disappointing teams so far of the 2022 season. I like it. You like that? The autumn wind, like is, the autumn wind is pissing me off. <laughs> bad. Spitting at you. What poor, man's, poor man's John Facenda and his, his sidekicks. I'm not shocked by this, but I also watched the team the entire year last year, and they were a good team last year, but they also played their way into the right side of a lot of breaks, and it was probably going to even out. They shouldn't be 0-2. They should have won at least one of the games. Right. I mean, But look, it's, this is, it's two games in. There's an argument to be made that they should be 2-0, 1-1, whatever it is. Like, they should be better in a better position than where they're at right now. They were up 20 to nothing. They should have put that game away. And Derek Carr missed, I would say, two touchdown passes in that game against the Chargers and looked absolutely horrendous. Probably we're in position to win that game still. So, they're, they should be better than where they're at. Um, yeah, actually, I don't know. I think, think that's it. Like They should be better than where they're at at this well, point. Like, I don't think there's any deeper analysis than yeah, that. Yeah, I think it's, it's just karma coming back for them not kneeling for the tie and getting the Chargers in the playoffs your, last your year. Charger, yeah. <laughs> it's all coming back. Top story. Number one. Every day we do the big four at four now. Five o'clock hour. A little bit different. We do our football frenzy at five o'clock. Paloma from Fox 5 was out there enjoying the parade with the Aces. She's covered the Aces all year long. She's also with, uh, you know, John and I and others on the UNLV beat for football. She tweeted out about the Aces title. I really feel like the Aces just changed the WNBA forever. This is the start of something special. I don't know. I'm I'm not willing to say it. It changed in what way, I guess, is my question. Um, you know, I will say this. The Aces do seem to have, a li even before the title, a little bit of different characteristics and flair than the rest of the teams. You know, they I think they play the social media game a little bit better. I think that they integrate with the community, and, and the attendance was picking up as, as, you know, sort of momentum behind the team was picking up. And now whether or not they keep that going and start selling out, you know, the regular season games with regularity, uh, we'll see. But, but. I mean, one thing that we can say for certain is Mark Davis changed the game. 
I mean, when he went out there and goes and gets the coach that he wants and pays a million bucks for it, when the highest paid player gets 250000 that's I mean, he, he's changed something. He did something different, and it paid off immediately. So I applaud him for that. Uh, I think Paloma's actually 100% right, but not in the way that she thinks that she's going. I think she's 100% right in the fact, and kind of what Justin talked about, they changed the game in the fact that Mark Davis showed you spend money, you get results. And also, he brought in a coach that brought in an NBA-esque style of basketball. There is no plotting slow kind of big out there. They're not posting, uh, you know, they're not posting players up and playing half-court style. They're running, they're shooting threes, they're playing a more modern style of basketball. So I think they did change the WNBA in that regard. But to think that the WNBA is going to become some powerhouse league going forward now because the Aces and Mark Davis are going to you know, bring the WNBA to the surface, I think that's probably far-fetched. 8,000 people out there, right? Something like that, Eight to 10,000 crammed in that area in front of Bellagio. Super impressive. Selling out the finals games. Super impressive. TV ratings, pretty good. The Sunday game they played, I don't, you know, they're stuck on that TV slot. They got 555,000. The rest of the games got more than that. All good stuff. But I can tell you the only way this goes, as Paloma said, to the WNBA changing forever and big things are on the way is if the NBA is cool with it. Adam Silver holds all the cards. And as we were talking about in hour number one, can they actually get more money? Like, I don't know what they actually designate WNBA TV money out of their overall NBA WNBA deal with ESPN. It's Big Four Four presented by Battleborn Injury Lawyers in Reno and Las Vegas 766-1400. I look at him as like a gift from God. <laughs> I've never seen any quarterback move like that. You know, that's type of quick twitch and make people miss and explosiveness. So I think it's just part of the, the whole package and, and when he's making great decisions on when to run, when to get down, when to throw it away, when to step up in the pocket, you know, that's when we're at our best and, and he did a great job of that. <laughs> It's time for ESPN Las Vegas Legal Insider, Justin Watkins, to lay down the law. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. I don't know who's more into this, JVT, Justin Watkins, or Steve Sear, the official. Uh, it's clearly you. I've never seen you so happy on a show. I've been doing this show for I am happy today. eight years, we, and I've never seen you so happy. We were uh, laughing that if any other remote, you'd be yelling at us to stay focused because we're running <laughs> around and doing stuff. And today, it's like every time every time Steve gets a chance, he's up and out. He's up and out. Well, I'm trying to get video. <laughs> trying to chronicle it. For who? Come on now. I don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have to answer that. It'll be deleted off the phone as soon as I send it out. <laughs> yeah. Although I do still have a lot of video and pictures from the 2016 contest we did. But for promotional purposes. That's for, right. For Nostalgia. promotional purposes. So we were just talking about the Las Vegas Aces title and the WNBA future. And we were mentioning some of the local journalists, and they actually happen to be female journalists, were very much into the event yesterday and uh, covering the finals and said, hey, this is going to change things forever. And just to build on my point, because we were going to break there, Adam Silver holds the kick. The NBA owners hold the key. I think the league is at a point now where they can fe or fetch some money on their own, but I don't know what the exact details are of their TV deal. But I think they can be not. I'm not saying a truly standalone league, but could it be a league that fetches like 200 million a year from TV rights? MLS just got 250. 
And then you can funnel that back into the league with better marketing, pay the players more, pay the coaches more, charter flights instead of commercial. Like, I think that's all out there. Yeah. Or am I just getting gaga like a lot of people because this is a Vegas story and we don't know the story in many of the other WNBA markets around the league. And we don't, we don't see the financials. Maybe there's people at the NBA who are like, guys, you have no idea what you're talking about. Like, like we, we don't believe this league can make money. Well, I, I think the the one thing I'll make a slight disagreement with is that Adam Silver holds all the cards. I mean, I think he holds a pretty good hand, but he can overplay that hand for sure. The court of public opinion will not be on his side in this current environment if they perceive that he's mistreating women and allowing men to do whatever they want. But, I mean, it's a good transition into the son's story. It felt like you didn't punish him enough. He was demeaning towards women. He was demeaning in regards to race and ethnicity. And, you know, he was still allowed to keep his team. Now, ultimately, he's made the decision that he's going to sell the team because he doesn't think he'll ever get any forgiveness. But, I mean, Adam Silver got bailed out by that because he was getting, I think, some negative press in in that regard. And then if he were to come in and start talking WNBA and I, these guys don't really make money, we, we keep them together, we're not going to sell them off, we're not going to let them negotiate their own media rights contract, we're not going to give them their, a standalone league, I think that they would, they would suffer in, in the court of public opinion there. I, I would also think you need quite a few more Mark Davises, no? In that owners who are willing to ship off some money and put it into their team and, and put resources into their team. Because you mentioned it. I mean, I do. I would agree because we were talking about this earlier. I think there's a different vibe when it comes to the Aces other than other WNBA teams. They're becoming a little bit more popular. They have some big-name characters, right, whether it's Asia Wilson, Kelsey Plum, and others. Like, there are some more recognizable names and brands on this team than any others. There's obviously the longtime veterans who have been WNBA stalwarts, but this team seems to be a little bit more social media friendly, a little bit easier to latch on to. But that's also stemming from the top, right? That trickles down. Putting money into it then means your social media team is going to be a little bit better. Your head coach is better. All of those things trickle down and becomes better. I would think you need more owners to buy into the level that Mark Davis has too. Well, I think Mark Davis said that. You know, yeah. not such a direct way to say, hey, if people are talking about expansion and they want to buy a team, we need to know that they're going to spend. And then he even went a step further and said, or keep their team, you know, like yeah. – for the team owners that are in the league right now, we need to know that they are going to invest. And for me, what I hear from him is you're investing in a, a return in the future, not now. It may, it may be 5, 10 years before Mark Davis ever gets a return on investment, if ever. But he clearly believes in the product, and he's not doing it for the necessarily for the money. It doesn't look like appear that way. He's kind of doing it for the city, I I believe. Um, part of making his in, inroads with the Raiders and Las Vegas and investing in our, in our community. And I think you know if he were to head up finding other owners of similar ilk, then I I, I think maybe maybe you would see uh, the tide turn here and the power go to the league itself and and, and not the NBA. Justin Watkins, JVT, Cofield, ESPN Las Vegas, ESPN Reno, on the road, the Plaza Pool, downtown Sin City. I'm going to ask what is going to sound like a goofy question, but I'm also kind of rolling in this like, hey, what kind of impact did this just have, this just have with the Aces winning the WNBA title? What's a bigger story long range for the WNBA? The Aces and what they've done, or Robert Sarver, the owner of the Mercury and the Suns getting booted from the league. 
I think what's more impactful is if they get the next owner right in the WNBA team. If they can find another Mark Davis, okay. create some sort of West Coast rivalry, you know, they just get in an arms race. They start spending. Um, then, then I think that'll have a longer term impact. If they just find somebody to fill the shoes right. and is a, a empty suit, how about, it's gonna be the how about make sure you vet the owners, the yep. prospective owners, so you don't have another Robert Starver. Um, I'll also throw out there from a societal impact, Starver going bye bye is bigger. Yes, because obnoxious billionaire, whatever curse word you want to put in there, who act like this, dropping n bombs all over the place, you know, kind of bragging about it, treating women like crap in the workplace. That's real-world stuff. And for the – I mean, I think the NBA players and the WNBA players really forced the hand of Adam Silver. It was outrageous that he was going to get to come back after a year. Like, did you read what he was saying to people and how he was treating them? He's going to be welcomed back to the league? What are you, nuts? And for the WNBA team that he owned to openly push back on the decision. Like, that was the thing. And I, I would agree. Like, I think Sarver going is the more impactful move here, especially if you're going to get somebody that is going to be like Mark Davis, not only in spending money, but in that they're going to create a much better work environment for the people that work for the respective team. That's very, very impactful. And if you get a legitimate team that's going to be in that arms race with the Aces and just spend money and try to be a really good squad, then that's just a benefit. But I think it, to a certain extent it's taking the complaints and the voice of the women player seriously and saying, all right, we need to make this happen because this is ridiculous, and then thus having it happen. Yeah, I would love to see somebody by the team. Uh, I would love to see a power broker woman. Like, it, it, you know, I don't I don't know this person at all, but if, if the same thing were happening in Vegas and Mark Davis wasn't here and the Raiders weren't here, like an Elaine Wynn buying the team, you know, like somebody who has who has succeeded throughout her life, has the wherewithal and the interest to spend money um, through her own philanthropy and then I think would be a wonderful team owner. I, I would love to see something like that. And, again, build sort of an arms race and a rivalry on spending. Can I just mention, too, I think it's Jeff Bezos that has already been thrown out there as one of the potential interested team owners. And I think it might just be for the Suns. I don't know if it's the Mercury included. We've already got some workplace issues with Bezos. Maybe not the best guy to allow <laughs> to buy the team. Good point. Was his ex-wife right? She's got just as much money. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's talk great. some. Let's talk some fan behavior. Let's start with, and these are at NFL games, and we talked about the National Football League and the drunkenness and misbehavior of many fans. A Jets fan takes a bottle. I don't know if it was full. Jimmy Haslam's walking off the field. He whips it at Haslam. They've arrested the guy, the fan. What's the max? Something like that. Yeah, there's no jail time. On really? Like, no, it's a misdemeanor battery. Even if the bottle's full? It, no, it's about. It's not about. It, it's going to be. Did Haslam suffer injury, and is the injury significant? If the injury were significant, then you could get into felony charges on battery. But it looked like it. I mean, it looked like it grazed him. To be Wait, honest, it, it with looked you. like it hit him in, like the, in his thigh. the leg or something. If it hit him in the groin, maybe that's next level. That could be debilitating moving forward. This is an issue we talked about years ago. You remember? <laughs> There was I can't even I cannot remember the fight press conference, but there was an issue at a MGM press conference. Connor, it was Conor and, McGregor and and, and team, Diaz. team Diaz. Yep. There was a fighter who threw a full water bottle. He actually whizzed it by Adam Hill's head about six feet away, and I yep. was like, "Throw the book at this idiot!" Yeah, but ultimately, what the law says is not whether or not you've actually made unwanted contact. That's battery that that exists, but. The different levels of it are going to be dependent upon what kind of injury you cause. Wait, so what if what if 
So at what point does a bottle become – there's just nothing as long as it makes contact? Like, what if I fill it with quick dry cement and chuck it at you? Yeah. As long as it doesn't make contact, it, I'm no, good? Right. That's assault. So okay. the, different, the, uh, the assault is the apprehension of harm. It's not uh, okay. the actual harm, right? Battery is the actual physical contact. So in, in legal context, if you were to point a gun at me – I'm already assault, right? I'm already in apprehension of harm. You haven't done anything other than point the barrel of the gun at me. And and those kids, you can get charges for that, for sure. Um, but if you're actually like, now let's say you turn that gun around and you're trying to pistol whip me with the, with the handle, but you miss and you just graze my nose, misdemeanor battery, right? Like, wow. I, I was never in apprehension of death, deathly harm, right? Like, substantial bodily harm or death. I was never in apprehension of that. And so, you know, the charges vary based on that. 30 seconds left here. We can continue on the other side. The fan at the Raiders game, Kyler Murray's over by the stands by the wind club. The fan drops either a hammer fist, maybe he's trying to high-five him, but he winds up slapping him, kind of swiping him across the face. This one was so overblown. I mean, I couldn't even – you know what? Like, to me, that looked like – when they do the Lambo leap and everybody's jump, throwing their hands over, giving hugs, it looked just like, I mean, it could have been a hug. They just assumed it wasn't. I don't, because he was wearing a black jersey, but it did not, like, I know this thing made national news and they were showing the tape and I was like, wait, where was the, where was the hit? And like, it, it like grazed his collar. What if, what if he actually did scratch him or there was some kind of damage? Yeah, again, like, again, any unwanted touching is a battery. So the fact that he didn't want it and it happened, is a battery, but there was no, like, it had to be substantial bodily harm for there to be any sort of felony charges and any, any real jail time. Justin Watkins, JVT, Plaza Pool. It's Nevada Sports Talk Hour with Cofield and Company on ESPN Reno and ESPN Las Vegas. Let's go poolside at the Plaza Hotel and Casino for more of Steve Sears' Bikini Tug of War with Cofield and Company. All right, some of the competitors are coming on in just a little bit. Bikini Tug of War will announce the winner as well. We're out here at the Plaza Pool, Plaza Hotel, and Casino. Justin Watkins, 766-1400 is the number in Reno and in Las Vegas for Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Can we go back to an old story from last year? Yeah. Because immediately people started making jokes about it. It wasn't funny. When they saw Justin Herbert and the rib cartilage injury last week. Yeah. And folks are like, Chargers doctors are going to shoot painkillers into that area? No. So Tyrod Taylor is still battling the Chargers. Who is he suing? And I think he's trying to get $5 million. Remember, you know, a few years ago, that's how Herbert got the job. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, he got hurt early. Uh, they tried to, they, you know, they tried to freaking put a quarter some, shot some painkillers the and they punctured his lung. Punctured his lung, yeah. So he's, he's bringing a medical malpractice claim against that t- team doctor, and he's saying that, you know, he's responsible for him not being a starting quarterback in the league, that by losing that starting job, which was really his, his last best chance to prove to NFL uh, teams that he was a bona fide starter, by taking that away from him, and, uh, he has impacted his future financial returns forever not only in contracts, but in potential endorsements and the like. Their medical malpractice cases are difficult from the onset because you 
have a doctor who's got insurance that's super expensive, and the insurance policy requires that the doctor consent to any settlement. And doctors don't want to do that because when they consent to a settlement, they have to report it to their governing boards that they've done something wrong and they've paid somebody out, and they almost never want to do it. So that's your first hurdle is you're probably going to go to trial on a lot of these types of cases. The second hurdle you have is that juries don't like to hold doctors accountable because they're afraid that doctors will leave their community if they do. And so whether or not there's malpractice and a clear mistake, oftentimes they are not held accountable. Juries award in favor of the defense in medical malpractice case, something like 80% of the time, um, because they're worried about what the, what the medical uh, providers will be in the future in their community. Lastly, in this situation, uh, well, we got two more complications. Number one, was it a known complication that was told to Tyrod before they put the injection in? Like, hey, we're putting this in a very sensitive area. There are some risks associated with it. We could puncture along. We could hit a different organ. You know, we'll be careful, but that does happen up to 10% of the time or whatever the percentage is. If they did an informed consent like that, well, those informed consents are usually enforced by the court. Lastly, his damages are really speculative. It's like he would have definitely performed super well during that season, would have been a starter for the Chargers or some other team going in. They wouldn't have cared that Justin Herbert, their number one draft pick and top five pick from the previous year, was waiting in the wings. He would have been ready, could have gone to any other team. It was last year of his contract. You, you, you blew it out of the water. And there's going to be a whole bunch of people and evidence and experts on the other side that says, I mean, it was a gift for the for the Chargers to give Tyrod that starting job for that year. Everybody knew it was Herbert's job. It was just a matter of when, not if. And so that speculative sort of damages is not what juries like to hear. They like to hear certainty. They don't like to guess. So I think there's some challenges here. Now, that being said, him being a celebrity, him being, you know, there's sort of high value, high risk, high exposure on this case. Will it go to trial? Probably not, but there's a chance. 20 seconds left. Not enough time, but Oregon State, USC, you pulling any upset? It's a six-and-a-half line, and I thought that that was low. I kind of thought that they were going to put it in the eight-and-a-half, nine-and-a-half range. By the uh, way, Justin's an Oregon State guy. I'm an Oregon State alum. Um, I almost booked a flight up there to go watch the game, uh, but, I, but I didn't. But they played Utah next week. Salt Lake City's a little bit easier to get in and out of. Maybe I'll go there on a roadie. And, you know, get myself in trouble. I hope they win against the evil empire. Me too. Well, we got to do two things. we got to establish the run, and we got to get some turnovers. It's Cofield and Company with the Battleborn Sports Hour. It's presented by Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 766-1400, anywhere in Nevada. Back to Cofield and Company at the Plaza Hotel and Casino Pool. It's Steve Sears Bikini Tug of War. Tug of War, it's over. You know, I don't even know who won. We've been, we've been doing the show. I know Sapphire was doing pretty well. I saw Sapphire lose early, yes. and then I just talked to the ladies from uh, Resorts World and Redtail, and they were like, yeah, they, they whooped us. So you guys you guys came back. So AJ's here with us, and one of the entertainers, Allie, is Hi. here with us as well. So what's going on, guys? Just chilling. Beautiful day here at the Plaza Pool. Nice little Tug of War battle. We won, by the way. You won the whole thing? Well, won? You won some matches. That, that's going to be my story. Oh, okay. oh, yeah. oh, Sapphire's the winner. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You know. There's no other story. Exactly. Okay, so tell me, AJ, you know, you're a pretty big, strong guy. I saw you out there with the rope, testing him out a little bit. 
What did you think of what the ladies did? You know, I think they did an amazing job. I was proud of all of them. Uh, there was some good competition today, and I feel like everyone that competed gave 110%. And on top of that, I feel like everyone had a really great time today doing it. I, w- I would never have worked that hard. I was watching, like, tug three, four, five, and I was like, I'm done. <laughs> you guys kept fighting. Oh, yeah. I was ready. I was ready to break my nails off for it. What? Yeah. She was about to rip them off. I was off. about to chew them off. Yeah. Like, so I could get a better grip on the rope. Yeah, I guess we didn't think of that, huh? We didn't give you a test rope. <laughs> that your nails are long. Yes. So long. what do you think? What do you think of how you performed? I performed pretty good. Um, my stance was good. You know, I, I work <laughs> out five days a week at the gym. Shout out to Dragon's Lair. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you know that that was kind of the crazy thing because we were, we were sort of we were looking out there and we we're sizing up the different women and you know there were some bigger women out there and there were some small teams, right, John? Well, yeah. That and kicked, you know, my question booty. was how much strategy went into it because I saw you guys switching formations. You guys would go out for oh, three yeah. and then switch it around. We were, we were trying to figure out, like, okay, so the first round we lost, I was like, okay, how about you get in the back, our best girl? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was like, you get in the back and really just tug, and she did that. Anchor's got to be sturdy. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm a sturdy dude. I played anchor in a lot of tug-of-war matches. You got you to gotta be a little stout when you get in the back, you know? They, uh, they look like professional tuggers out there, <laughs> I tell you. I had such a good breakfast. I had a big oatmeal bowl. And I was say, a lot, lot, of, carbs lot of protein. A lot of carbs and protein mm-hmm. for this. Nice. Very nice. All right, let's talk a little Sapphire. First of all, AJ told me you've hosted uh, your Monday night football party for how long? Man, hosted it there for about 18 years now. 18 seasons of Monday night football every Monday of the season. What do you guys do? Man, we do everything from uh, give out prizes. We have an amazing buffet. The food is always fantastic. Uh, we bring in liquor sponsors. Obviously, we got the game. We got halftime lap dances with the ladies. Um, a lot of locals hang out and a lot of guys that come year after year after year. we got a great following, and uh, it just makes for a great time. It really does. I'm guessing Allie hasn't been there 18 years. <laughs> no. You look, pretty, you look a little young. Nothing against you, Adrian. Thank you. Yes, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, talk about Sapphire. Okay, well, Sapphire, we just have so many beautiful entertainers from all around the world. Um, very sweet, very sweet girls. We just love to entertain and show the gentleman a great time, you know? And for people who don't know of Sapphire, uh, tell them about the location. So the location is 3025 Sammy Davis Jr. Drive, formerly Industrial, uh, right behind Circus Circus and Resort World. It's easy to get to. Uh, Sapphire is the world's largest gentleman's club, and uh, as Ali mentioned, we have the the most beautiful ladies in Las Vegas, uh, in the world, and we contract girls from all of the U.S. uh, and all over the world to entertain. So uh, the selection of girls there are just great. This one is a girl for everyone, basically. John, you know why it's the biggest, right? Aside from the obvious, the size of the place? No one. You know what it used to be, right? No. It used to be a gym. The sports house. So So the main floor at Sapphire used to be a basketball court, and it's yes. like a legendary basketball court. Anyone probably older, you know, about my age and older, if you played pickup basketball, you wanted to play high level. Like, there used to be former UNLV players who would come in. Really? Yeah, Sear played there. He was talking about former Governor Bob Miller. Like, the main floor is a freaking basketball court. That's how, true. how big the place is. Now, here's the other cool thing. By the way, I, I'm asking you questions about Sapphire. Like, I don't know anything about it. <laughs> been there. Steve's never so been there. You've been, been there a couple times, right? Well, been there many times. And like, I, was, I was joking earlier. Like, today... You know, bikini tug of war. We do events like this. We're at the pool. We probably, as a show, because we've been here in Vegas since 2004, we've probably done more shows at strip clubs and gentlemen's clubs than any sports talk radio show in the world. Like we've done 
probably 400 shows. Like we're, we we used to be out all the time. But one of the great shows we did a few years ago was at your pool. Yes, and the Sapphire Pool. Them, go ahead. Talk about the pool you guys built and the setting. Like people may have a thought about what this pool is. Folks, it is insane and on par with anything you see on the Strip. It really is. The Sapphire Topless Pool and Day Club. It's open every Friday, Saturday, Sunday from noon to 6 p.m. Our season is roughly April to September. Uh, last weekend was the last weekend of the season. Uh, and of course, next season will be uh, continuing on. But, yeah, it's legendary. We have a great time. We bring in influencers, uh, world-class DJs. Uh, there's food. I mean, it's a really great time. Is that motivation for you, John, to get on TikTok finally? What do you mean? I'm on TikTok. Well, but like really get on it and really be an influencer. Well, you, you like you want my algorithm skewed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, you get on the different sorts of algorithms as opposed to what I'm looking at. But no, imagine a beautiful pool setting with beautiful topless ladies. Uh, you know, first class uh, wait staff that are also topless. I mean, it's really incredible. As a uh, as a young production assistant, uh, I've been out there. Yeah, uh, I have set up quite there? a yeah, I've set up quite a few remotes out there. You, uh, I, like that. I nice. think you were stuck in studio though for one of them. Oh, oh yeah. we, we did bikini uh, ping pong. Yes, no tug of war, bikini ping pong, and I know you were Can pretty, pretty you, mad. You were back in as studio. a twenty three year old. I'm now thirty one, but as a twenty three year old sitting in an empty room all by yourself listening to they, these guys out of bikini ping pong is not the best night. <laughs> no. Something to aspire to, though, of course. Yes. right. That's why I work so hard to become a host. So I can come out to these events. Allie, yeah. do you work at the pool? I do. Yeah. Yes. You like it out there? I absolutely love it. I get a nice tan. Um, we also, the entertainers get a meal, complimentary meal and drinks. So it's good for us, you know. They really take care of us there. What's your favorite thing to do in Vegas when you're not working? My favorite thing Aside to do. Aside from working out. <laughs> it sounds like you work out. We could see yes. it in the, in the tug of war. My favorite thing to do is honestly the hiking. I just love to be in nature, ground myself, and just keep a clear mind. Positive like attitude. Yeah, this is like the anti-hiking. We have one guy who hikes. The rest of us are all kind of tubby. I mean, oh. you can be tubby and enjoy hiking. I enjoy hiking. Do you? I'm a big camper, actually. I like camping. Ooh, roasting marshmallows yes. and s'mores. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Catching your own fish and stuff. That's yeah, great. I love a man that can catch his own fish. There you go. All right. All right. Well, you're married, so sorry. You're <laughs> I'm pretty much married as well. AJ, what's your favorite thing in Vegas to do when you're not working? You know, uh, I'm going to be honest with you. It's from workout because folks can't see AJ. We'll put on pictures, but he's all yoked up. Vas <laughs> vascular with a capital V. Yes. <laughs> you know, uh, I've been in Vegas for probably 20 years. And, you know, when I first came out here, I used to like to go out every single night and just take advantage of everything Vegas has to offer. But now that I'm older, I, I think the, the little things I like to do. Uh, I like to cook. I like to hang out at my home. Really boring nowadays. Watch movies, simple things. Because my job and my life is is crazy at work. You yeah. know what I mean? There's all kinds of excitement. The promos that we do, anything from like today, the tug of war, to you know, bringing the girls to the nightclubs and to the day clubs and our own day club. And uh, the nightclub itself or the night version or the night part uh, of our club is just every night. It's so much energy. And if you've guys have ever been there on a Friday or Saturday night, I mean, you're talking about, you know, almost 300 girls on the floor, uh, almost seven, 800 people on the floor. It's the energy and the vibe is, is, is something that uh, I haven't felt in too many places here in Las Vegas. So that leads me to be a lot simpler in my personal life nowadays. The, uh, the folks who are listening, because we're on this hour in both Las Vegas and Reno, we're just going on in Reno this week. I promise you, folks, we will go up to Reno and we'll hit a gentleman's club because it's a tradition 
with the show. But I'm going to tell this story, and it's going to sound really goofy, right? So Sapphire is great. It's a wild place. You can get as crazy as you want, or, you know, you can be cool, whatever, right? <laughs> so I did a show back there in probably 2005, right? We used to do a lot of fight-related shows because, you know, you guys show a lot of the fights for MMA yeah. and boxing. Yeah, we used yeah. to do a lot of fight promotions. And my parents have been out here three times to visit. Now they're pushing 80. I brought my mother down, not to dance. I brought my mother. <laughs> I brought my mother down. She wouldn't even. She she wouldn't be bothered by that either. Um, I brought my mother down, and they gave her a tour. And she was thrilled. She loved it. She's like, oh, yeah, they showed the upstairs rooms. I'm like, okay, all right, mom. So not truly family friendly, but you know, you guys are great hosts. So I have to say, and I don't think either one of you guys were there at the time. That was one of the coolest radio moments. My mother comes back down to watch the show. She's like, this staff is unbelievable. <laughs> I'm like, all right, Mom. We like to show people around. I do a lot of tours uh, for the guests there. I do the orientations for the entertainers. Uh, but I enjoy showing the club uh, because when you see people's eyes light up, and they, you can just see them you know, fantasizing about how much fun they can have you know, in the club. I just love it. Yeah, just to... Fill in the story, too, with my mother. I think for her 50th birthday it was, we actually got her a, a male dancer back in New Jersey. So she was not some wallflower when she went in there. So um, Sapphire, great spot here in town. Very important to mention before we get you out of here. And thanks for spending so much time with us. Thank you. Social media, where can people find you guys? Because you said you're doing a lot of content. I think you were doing a video or TikTok earlier. Mm -hmm. Yes, Allie, I can we do find content, you too. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Ali Dalu, so A-L-L-Y-D-O-L-L-U. And then, of course, just go to Sapphire Las Vegas, and you're going to get all the handles for our social media. You'll be able to check out our packages. Always get your packages online. You're going to save a lot of money by doing that. So whether you're a birthday party, bachelor party, or just hell, man, divorce I need a party. fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, divorce party. That's one of the best ones, right? <laughs> or just the, the fun the most party. most wild one, man. Yeah. <laughs> right? They're all good. They're all good. But, yeah, go online. And uh, go ahead and do that. For Monday Night Football, get your season pass. Guys, 200 bucks. You can get a season pass that's going to get you into every single Monday Night Football. It's going to get you two free drinks as well. And then on top of that, we give everyone a ticket to our Super Bowl party every year. That oh, really? is massive. Have you guys awesome. checked it out? I think you guys have been there before. I've been there before, yeah. yeah. Yep. It's awesome. It's awesome. AJ, Ali, we appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Appreciate you too. Thank if you. If you can, stick around for like two minutes because we want some pictures. Excellent. Yes, of course. But that was great. I so appreciate it. I know Steve Sear does it. You guys came out. You put a team in. You guys were awesome and tons of fun. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. That's great. AJ and Ali from Sapphire. All right, we got to close out the hour on this. A couple of uh, gambling notes. We didn't get to finish up on USC and Oregon State yeah. a couple of minutes ago. Justin Watkins was in. He's an Oregon State guy. They are good. Oregon State is good, and then up there in a you know kind of a night. It's a night spot. It's, I think it it's a six thirty start local. It's going to be friggin' nuts. It is, and I think I'm going to bet on Justin's Beavers. I'm going to take my third shot here <laughs> on on uh, on the Trojans or against the Trojans. You know, so if you look at their last three games, like the three pick sixes against Rice, they had I think three turnovers or two turnovers inside the five yard line. Stanford. They're still not good defensively. And this is a top 30 rushing attack. I have been burned each of the last two weeks. I'm going in again. I heard uh, Joel Klatt today on our sister station on Fox Sports 1340 and 989 FM with uh, Coward, and he was saying the same thing. And, and Coward was saying it too. I mean, everyone knows you can try to rebuild a team through the portal, but how much can you get done in one offseason? And they did it with the offense, but oh. they're going to have a tough time. And Oregon State's super physical. I mean, super physical. And that that guy, I don't know if he wants to leave, Jonathan Smith. Uh, Jonathan Smith. 
But when he wants to go, he's going to have people lining up for him for bigger jobs. He's done an awesome job there. Yeah. It, it, they're a quality football program, and they're well coached. Like That's the other thing about it. But when you look at some of their numbers statistically, that running game is one of the best in the country. And USC, the thing they've struggled with, is defending the run. They've been really soft up there. And can I also say, too, I mean, Fresno State, they have the ball. They're down 21-10. They're in USC territory. Hainer goes down. They've been getting away with a lot. Oregon State's a team I like to root for. And I feel bad for them that they're losing the rivalry with USC. It's not, it's, you know, mostly a one-sided rivalry. But those are gigantic games. Corvallis, yep. LA teams coming in, all the stars. It's, God, what, it's, a, what a bummer of what's going on the last couple of days with the whole rivalry thing. Oklahoma, you? Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, out. I'm going to get to your note about North Carolina, North Carolina State yeah. in just a couple minutes. Closing out this hour at the Plaza, Cofield & Company with the Battleborn Sports Hour presented by Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 766-1400.